Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. There's an old greeting in the church. Many of you may know it. If I were to say, he is risen, you would say, he is risen indeed. indeed." And so we celebrate that today. And so we're excited about that. There's a uh, U.S. World News and Report, and I don't, I don't always read U.S. World News and Report, but sometimes I like to read it, and simply for this reason, they have a section that's called News You Can Use, and I'm a bottom line kind of guy. I always say this, we, 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 we never watch the news because we're in bed by then, but we almost never watch the news, but if, if the biggest waste of time for me, and I've said this before when I watch the news, is the weather. Because the weather, they just go on and on and on. High pressure system, low pressure system, Alberta Clipper, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I need to know this, umbrella or no. That's all I want, umbrella or no. And so this morning, we're going to try to do that. We're going to try to get to the bottom line. Like, I want to give you news you can use. I want to get to the heart of this. I want to talk about what this is all about and what we're really doing here and what can you take with you? What can you use? And so we're going to talk about that. If you brought a Bible this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians. We'll be, or I'm sorry, in Luke. We're going to be in Luke 24. Luke chapter 24, so if you have that, you can flip it over. If you're pulling up a digital, if you've got on your phone, you're pulling up a digital copy, we use the New Living Translation. It'll ask you what translation uh, you're using. And so when you get that, if you do me a favor and just stand to your feet, would you? And if you're new around here, we don't stand every time we read a, a verse from the Bible, but we stand when we read our opening passage for this very reason. Uh, it's a reminder, it's a physical reminder to us that this isn't just a book written by some folks. This is God. This is God speaking to this room in 2022. He's talking to us and he's trying to tell us something. So I'm starting uh, Luke chapter 24. I'm starting in verse one. Follow along as I read. It says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. They take they took the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. Verse 5 says, The women were terrified, and they bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead? For someone who's alive, he isn't here, he's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. And then they remembered that he had said this. Let's pray. So Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the resurrection of the Christ And uh, we celebrate that for sure. We celebrate that. And now what we need, Holy Spirit, is we need a word from you. We need you to explain this. What does this mean to us today? Holy Spirit, this will only come from you. And so speak to us. Give us hearts that are receptive to that. Uh, Holy Spirit, speak clearly to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Uh, Really interesting. Many of you might be familiar with the name George Gallup. George Gallup does a lot of the polling, does a lot of polls. George Gallup did a poll, and this this blew me away when I first read it, so I had to read it a second time. George Gallup did a poll that said 84% of people who never go to church, get ready for this, 84% of people who never go to church believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And that was a little staggering to me. 84% of people who never go to church believe that Jesus rose from the dead. It is a historical fact that Jesus rose from the dead. This was known all over Jerusalem in that day. Everybody knew 
Jesus rose from the dead. The entire Roman Empire knew Jesus rose from the dead. There are over 15 documented written pieces about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. There are accounts where he was walking with people and talking to people, and he fixed breakfast for some of the disciples on the beach after he had risen from the dead. At one time, he spoke to over 500 people after he had risen from the dead. And so the question still is this, though. What does the resurrection mean? Like, what does that mean to us? I think it's, it's the thing that we're going to ask because you can know about the resurrection, but do you really know about the resurrection? Do you know what the resurrection means? We know what the resurrection means, but I'm saying, do we really know what it means? And let me just give you some simple examples of the way this kind of, this process, the thought process works in our everyday life, right? Do not be fooled. Do not be fooled. Those of you who, like, we're, we're battling this right now about do we get a dog or not, we got the dog picked out. We've got a couple of couple names picked out, right? Listen, people think it's great to have a dog. I just talked to somebody who goes to this church. I just talked to him this last week. And they, they got a dog about six, seven months ago. And he said, man, for the first couple months, our heads were just spinning. You know, we were trying to figure this out. We thought we, we knew what it meant to have a dog. We really wanted a dog. And he says, now, now it's been almost a year. Now we're kind of in a rhythm. Now we know what it means to have a dog. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled, right? Here's another one. We don't have children at our house. But people like this idea of having children, it's great. It's a blessing from God. We all know what it means to have a baby. But I'm telling you, once you have one, now you know what it means to have a baby. It's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. And so the question we're really asking this morning is not what does the resurrection mean. We're asking what does the resurrection really mean? There's a difference. Some of you know this. There's a story. There's a Sunday school class, and the teacher walked into the Sunday school class, and he had a bunch of small children. And one day he said, kids, do you know what today is? Do you know what today is? And the little girl, boom, she shoots up. She's got her hand in the air. She said, it's Easter. He said, wow, smart girl, that's right. It's Easter today. That was such a good answer. I'm so proud of you. And then he says, okay, kids, here's another one for you, though. What does Easter mean? Do you know what Easter means? Boom, same little girl. She shoots up, got her hand in the air. She screams out, it's the resurrection. He said, that's right, smart girl. Good for you. You knew that. It's the resurrection. Then he said, let me ask you guys one more question. What does the resurrection mean? Boom, same little girl shoots up. She says, it's when Jesus came out of the tomb. But before the teacher could say anything, she said, but if he sees his shadow, he goes back in for another seven weeks. And so I'm just saying, we know what the resurrection means. I'm asking you this question. Do you know what it means? And the way I would ask it is this. Not just do you know what it means, but I mean for today. Do you know what it means in 2022, wherever you live? I would ask it this way. What difference does it make? Like, does this resurrection thing matter at all? Does it mean anything to us? It's not just what does it mean. It's what does it mean. But another way of saying that and internalizing it would be this. What difference does a resurrection mean? What difference does it make in our everyday life? And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at some scripture. And, and uh, I, feel, I feel a little bit like the, you know, the, the, the chicken that wanted to lay the egg on the California highway. The chicken didn't know what to do. And so the rooster pep, pipes in. And the rooster says, sister, lay it on the line and do it quick. And so that's how I feel this morning. We're just going to lay it on the line. This is the difference that the resurrection makes in our lives. This is what it is. So number one, the first difference that I think is this. The resurrection means that Jesus did exactly what he claimed he was going to do. 
This didn't happen in a vacuum where he just all of a sudden rose from the dead. Look at the scriptures. Look what the scripture said. Now, this is Mark's gospel, and this is Jesus, and he's talking to the disciples. And they're up north in Galilee. And he says, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem. Now, you, some of you know this, that Galilee is up north. Jerusalem is in Judea down south. But it doesn't matter where you're at. When you go to Jerusalem, you're going up. Because Jerusalem is a city on a hill. It's elevated. So you're always going up to Jerusalem. And he says, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man, he's speaking about himself. I'll be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. That all happened. They'll sentence him to die. That happens. They'll hand him over to the Romans. That all happened. He says, they'll mock him. They'll spit on him. All of this has happened. They'll flog him with a whip and they'll kill him. But then he finishes by saying this. But after three days, he'll rise again. Like, it says this, Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. There's another instance in Matthew's gospel, and this is right after the resurrection, and the, the women go to the tomb, and the tomb is empty. And then the angel comes to them, and the angel speaks to the women. He says, hey, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen from the dead just as he said he would. See, the resurrection means that Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. We would always say this growing up, it ain't bragging if you can back it up. Like he said he was going to rise from the dead, and then he did it. The resurrection signifies he absolutely did what he said he was going to do. But it means the second thing. And the second thing it means is this. The resurrection means that Jesus had the power that he claimed to have. It means he had the power that he claimed to have. Now, in John's gospel in chapter 2, Jesus, some of you would know the story, Jesus walks into the temple and he goes into the courtyard and the merchants and the money changers, they're just abusing the place and they've, they've just made it a free-for-all and they're ripping people off and they're taking people's money. And so Jesus is upset about that. They're desecrating the temple. And so he literally walks in and just starts flipping tables over. Well, the religious officials, they didn't like that. So these leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you the authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. In the Greek, this word authority is the Greek word exousia, and it means power. You have the power to do this? And I love this. Like, I'm not sure they knew who they, well, they clearly didn't know who they were talking to. It. Show us a miraculous sign. They say to Jesus, prove it. They're saying to Jesus, I double dog dare you to show us a sign. Like, show us that you have this power. Jesus says, all right. No sweat. He's not threatened by it at all. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And the Jewish leaders all went, what's he talking about? It took 46 years to build this temple. What are you talking about? You'll raise this temple up in three days. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. He didn't mean this temple. He meant this temple. You destroy this temple. I'll raise it up in three days. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed both the scriptures and they believed what Jesus said. Well, no kidding. You see a resurrected man, you would believe it. Look, the resurrection means that Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. But it also means that he had the power, he had the authority to do it. Jesus later said this, and he's talking to his disciples and a large group of people. And he says, nobody can take my life from me. I sacrificed my life voluntarily. For I have the authority, the exousia, the power. I have the power to lay my life down. But further, he said this, I have the exousia to take it up again. Jesus was saying, I have the power. I have the authority. The resurrection validates that it's true. 
This is very interesting to me. Jesus, in the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority, all exousia, all power in heaven and on earth. And you can say, well, that's a bold claim. Right, but here's when he said it. He said in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus had already appeared to them after the resurrection in about verse 5 or 6 of that same chapter. This is a guy who's been raised from the dead who is saying this. It ain't bragging if you can back it up. Like, he clearly did what he said he was going to do. He clearly had the power that he said he had. He said, I have all power. And then he just proved it. But there's a third thing, and this is where I think we'll get to the news you can use, because I think this becomes relevant to everybody in the house. I think this is a big deal. The third thing it means is the resurrection means that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And I think this is a big deal. Jesus is absolutely who he claimed to be. Now, early... In John's gospel, in chapter 14, Jesus is telling the disciples that he's going to leave. Now, you've got to remember, they've given up everything. They've left everything. They've been walking with Jesus for a few years now. They've given it all up. And now he's saying, I'm going to leave, and the disciples are distraught. And so now he's trying to soothe them. He's trying to calm them down. He says, listen, when everything's ready, I'm going to come and get you guys. I'll come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. And then he makes this statement, and you know the way to where I'm going well, Thomas speaks up in a hurry, and Thomas says this, No, we don't know. Lord, we don't know. We don't know where you're going. We have no idea where you're going. So how could we possibly know the way? How could we possibly know the way if we don't even know where you're going? And Jesus says one of the most outlandish things, unless he's God. He says one of the craziest things, unless he's God. He says one of the biggest things. He says this, Listen, I am the way. They said, Jesus, how, how, we don't know where you're going. How could we possibly know the way? And he says, oh, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. Like, this is a bold claim. And Jesus said some outlandish things. At one point, he says, I'm God. Several times in the gospel, we read he claimed to be God. He claimed to be perfect. Here he says, I'm the way. I'm the truth and the life. I want to focus on this idea where Jesus says, I'm the way. Because kind of we go, well, you're the way to what? You're the way where? You're, you're, you're the way to what? Well, his next statement tells us exactly what he was talking about. The guy who rose from the dead, this is what he's saying. He says, nobody can come to the Father except through me. You can't get there. You can't do it. I'm the way to what? Jesus is saying, I'm the only way to the Father. You can't educate yourself to to a relationship with God. You You can't earn your way into a relationship with God. You, you, you can't climb the prestigious ladders at work into a relationship with God. You can't even do good into a relationship with God. It would be awesome if we could just try to be good and that would be enough. The scriptures are very clear. That's not it. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. That's it. It's the only way to get to God. And so you might be saying, look, I, I, I know plenty of people who say, I, I just don't feel like I'm at peace with God. I don't feel like I'm right with God. I have a sense that there's a God. I believe there's a God out there, but I don't have a sense of God. I don't, I don't have a sense that I have a relationship with him. I don't have peace with God. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. That's because you're trying to get there without me. Because I'm the only way. I am the way. I'm, I'm the only way that you can get to God. There is no other way. Jesus said, it's me. It's a bold claim. But we've already seen that he, he did exactly what he, was said, he said he was going to do. We've already seen that he had the power and the authority that he said he had. And we're saying the resurrection proves that he's exactly who he said he is. And so we started out with this question. 
What does the resurrection really mean? In other words, what difference does it make in my life? And I would say the difference that the resurrection makes is that we can have peace with God. We can have the assurance of eternal life. That, that, that's what the resurrection symbolizes to us. See, I think sometimes we know what the resurrection means, but I don't think we really know what it means. I think we know what a relationship with God means, but I don't think we really know what it means. I, think, I don't think we really understand it. And I think that happens to a lot of people where we kind of go to church, we, we, we kind of do the church thing a little bit. Do we, do we really know what it means to have a relationship with God? Or maybe we don't go to church at all, but we believe there's a God. Maybe we just don't understand what it really means at different paces in our life. I want to tell you the story of somebody who, who that was very true for, went to church, kind of thought he got it, but didn't really understand what it means. I want you to watch this video. See, we started asking the question, what difference does the resurrection make? Like, what does it really mean? What difference does it make in my life? And every week we have what we call a big so what. If you're new here, we have a big so what, which means this. Sleep for the first 25 minutes, and then I'll clue you in at the end. This is what we're talking about. And our big so what this week is this. Easter makes a difference when you know the difference maker. See, that's when the resurrection comes to mean something. That's when you internalize it, is when you know the difference. And I'm not talking about you know who he is. I'm talking about you know him. Uh, I don't know. When we grew up, my brother and I, you know, we shared a bedroom for all 18 years. And we always had posters on our walls. We had NBA players. We had Larry Bird up on our wall. We had Magic Johnson. We had George Gervin. Somebody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? My... We had Truck Robinson. We still have them in our bedroom today, actually. I knew who all those guys were. I knew who they were. I didn't know them. I didn't know them. I didn't know them. See, Easter makes a difference when you know the resurrection, when you know the difference maker. Do you know how holidays always bring memories? Holidays always bring memories. Some of you, if I just said Christmas, what do you think of? Man, you remember. You got a train set. You got a whatever it was. You know, you, you, got, you had to sit at the kids' table. Holidays mean, if I said, tell me about the 4th of July, you'd have a memory, and you'd say it. Easter always has a memory for me, always has a memory. I grew up, man, I was a smart mouth kid. I mean, smart mouth kid. We ran around the neighborhood saying terrible smart mouth things. And I would have told you that I know Jesus. When I became a sophomore in high school, I had a youth pastor who really discipled me, took me under his wing, explained to me this Christian life, explained to me what it really meant for Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to surrender the, the, your life to the Lord Jesus. And so I really started plugging in my faith. And uh, when I was about a senior, I don't know where you're sitting, Randy, but I got introduced to the, uh, the FCA director in our region, the, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And uh, so I, I got real involved with him. And we started this FCA chapter at our high school. This was my senior year. We started this FCA chapter. And all kinds of kids were coming. All kinds of kids that I played basketball with. In different, like, they were coming, right? We had a Bible study in the morning. Kids were coming. And it was awesome. So my senior year gets to be Easter. And uh, I, I invited a few kids from school. I invited a few kids to church. And I would mentioned it to people, and I invited them. And I'm, I invited my one buddy, Mike, and Mike was the, the, the guy that everybody at school knew. Every school loved him. Most gregarious guy. Everybody knew and loved Mike. Mike was the biggest partier. He was the biggest brawler. 
He was a captain on the football team. He was a linebacker. Everybody knew Mike. Everybody loved Mike. Just a great dude. I invited him. Why not? You know, I mean, I knew him. We were buddies, so I invited him. I went to church Easter Sunday morning and didn't think much about it. And I'm sitting there with a few friends from church. And, and uh, it gets to the end of the message. And our pastor walks down like this. He gets all done with his message and he walks down on the floor. And he said, hey, I know that some of you have heard this message today and you've recognized the fact that you're far from God, that you don't have peace with God, that there's not peace in your life, that you're not feeling fulfilled, that you don't understand the meaning of life. And I'm inviting you today to surrender your lives to Christ, to receive the work of the resurrection. I'm inviting you to do that. And so some of you have never done that before. Some of you have, have done that and you, you've strayed far away. And I'm inviting you today to recommit your lives to Christ. And you just said this very simply. He said, I'm going to count to three. And at three, we're just, you're going to stand up and you're just going to come here to the front. And I'm sitting there in my seat, minding my own business, not thinking anything about it. And our pastor goes, one, two, three, zoom. I see the corner of my eye. And I couldn't, I didn't even know he was in the building. Like big church, big church, big church. Mike gets up out of his seat. And he just walks right down the aisle. He walks right with the pastor. He surrendered his life to Jesus and it changed him forever. It was unbelievable. I was like, that's crazy Mike. Mike just gave his life to Jesus. Are you kidding me? I think it's probably kind of similar today. I think there are probably people here who said, hey, I've been to church before on Easter. I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never done that. I've never made that step. I've just never done it. Easter's not really real to me. I know there's a God. I believe there's a God. It's not really real to me because I don't really know Jesus. I think there's some of you in the room today. I'm sure of it. I want you to know this for sure. You're not here by accident. Our staff has been praying their brains out. And people from the church have been praying their brains out along with them. We've been meeting over the last about week and a half, praying desperately for you. It's not a coincidence that you came. My prayer is just that you'll surrender to the Holy Spirit. And you'll make that kind of decision today. I think there's another group in the room today. I think you've been going to church maybe kind of on and off. You know, maybe you go to church to make somebody happy. You're making your mom happy. You're making your spouse happy. You're making a friend happy. You're making a girlfriend, whatever it is. But you're, you're, you're so far away from God. And maybe you went to church when you were a kid and you kind of did the God thing, right? but you've just strayed so far. You're just so far away from God. There's no peace in your life. You don't know God. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you. And so I think if, if any of those are you, you just know you're not where you should be with God. Then I would say this, you took the trip to church. Why don't you settle that here? Why don't you just settle that here? So I'm gonna give you the opportunity to that. We've been praying for you like crazy. So I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to get out of your seat. I want you to walk down here with me. We're all going to pray the sinner's prayer together. We're just going to do it this morning. Here we go. One, two, three. Just get on up out of your seat. Walk right down here, wherever you're at right now. I don't care where you're at in the building. If you're in the balcony, we're going to wait for you. Yep, if you're in the back, we're going to wait for you. Just come on down. You're far away from God. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've surrendered your life to Jesus in the past, but you've been a long ways away. Just stand up right now, wherever you're at, and just come on down. We're all going to pray it together. And maybe you, you didn't want to come for it. Maybe it's a little spooky. I get that. But we'll all just pray. And you could, you could recommit your life where you're sitting. But this is a big step. This is a really big step. This takes a lot of courage. And so we're all going to pray this together. You can just repeat after me. Father God in heaven, I acknowledge who you are.
You are God Almighty. You are holy and righteous. You are loving and merciful and kind. And God, I acknowledge who I am. I acknowledge that I've sinned. I confess my sin to you. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he rose again from the dead, validating that he is God, that he was a worthy sacrifice for my sins. And now, Father God, I commit my life to you. I commit the rest of my days to live for you. Today I surrender. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Hey, listen to me now. Really important. This is really important, so I want you to hear this. First of all, the scriptures say this, that those who are in Christ, that's you now, you are in Christ. When Christ is in you, you are in Christ. It says you are a new creation. It says that the old is gone and the new is here. It means that all of life just got easier. Oh no, that doesn't happen, let's see. Let me. Life is still challenging, but God is with you. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit now lives in you. But I want you to also hear this, and I want you to hear this loud and clear. The devil ain't happy. You understand what I'm saying? The devil is not happy about this. And so he's going to attack. He's going to try to tell you that what you did wasn't real. He's going to try to tell you that you didn't mean it. My mother told me this when I was in the third grade. She said, you just say to the devil, you are defeated. Jesus is victorious. You got to go. And you tell him that. And when you sense that the devil is, to, is just messing with your mind, you tell him that. You are defeated. Jesus is victorious. You got to go. Let's say it. You are defeated. Jesus is victorious. You got to go.